Well, listen, a lot of great things are going on here at Summit. I just want to just say, man, didn't we have a great baptism service last week? Come on, can you give Jesus a hand for that? Wow, that was amazing. And uh, what, I got to share this with you. One particular lady that was baptized, she texted me the next morning, and she goes, you will not believe what just happened. I said, what, you know, what's going on? She goes, I haven't slept in 15 years all night through. She goes, I get up at five or six times a night, and then I can't go back to sleep. She goes, my life has been miserable for 15 years, at least when it comes to sleeping. She goes, but I got baptized last Sunday, and yesterday she said, I slept for eight hours. I never woke up. This hasn't happened in 15 years. Come on, man. That's amazing. Isn't it cool what happens when you just take one step at a time, as Dan was just sharing, just one step at a time, just do the right thing at the next step, and God just does amazing things for you. Praise God for that testimony. And I got, hey, I'm not done yet. I got a couple of little testimonies to share with you as well, because I, I know we need some good news. How many want some good news, right? You like some good news? We got enough bad news to go around. But there's this Bible verse, it, it kind of haunts me from time to time. It's Jesus is talking, and he says, listen, I was a, I, I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. Uh, I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. It goes on this long list. And disciples are like, hey, whoa, whoa, when did we ever see you? You a stranger naked in prison? We never saw that. And Jesus said to them, in as much as you have done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Boy, that's a powerful statement right there, huh? And so our conviction at Summit is, you know, to really live out this verse and where we can clothe the neck and we can feed the hungry, we can visit those in prison. So, so, so we talked about maybe a year or so ago about this idea of, of, um, of entering into the Baldwin County prison, 350 inmates in the Baldwin County prison. And so I went and I visited the sheriff of the Baldwin County prison uh, of, the, of the county, excuse me, and, and said, um, what's going on with this whole COVID thing with, as far as ministry is concerned? He goes, well, we're, I'm ashamed to say this, embarrassment, but we had to shut everything down. There's really no ministry taking place at all in the, in the prisons at this moment. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you all have like tablets in your prison? He goes, yes, we do. Tablets are like a little iPad in a sense that they can check out kind of like a library book and they can check it out and they have like 15 minutes where they can watch something with their commissary money. They can go to school online. They can read, you know, the news. They can watch a movie, something like that. But only 15 minutes because they have to share it. And I said, would you be open to the idea if our church uh, put together a 15-minute format show or program of our service and you showed that to the inmates for free. It will be a free thing. Not They don't have to pay for it. And um, he goes, let me get back to you. So we've been working this thing out for months now. And I am here to tell you, this, let me just show you the Baldwin County prison uh, that we're talking about. This is this is the 350 uh, uh, inmate prison right up there in Baymanet. And uh, let me show you the tablets I'm talking about. That um, This is the tablet that they can watch a service on or read or whatever they want to do. And so they, so they said to us, we're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. We submitted the show, the, the, the service actually of our service. And as of 48 hours ago, last fr this past Friday, they had their first uh, uh, experience of Summit Church in the Baldwin County Jail. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo! We got, 
I got a text back Friday after Friday afternoon, uh, and from somebody in the prison that knew somebody in our church that sent me the text. I don't know how they did all that. I, I don't know how that happens, but I got a text said. We just saw Summit Church service. It's all, the, all the guys, several guys, they said, several guys are sitting around the table and we're watching Summit Church service in our pod, in our prison cell, and we're so thankful for that. Come on, I'm just telling you, I'm so excited about that. That's exciting to me. So, I, Jesus can't say, hey, I was in prison, you didn't visit me. I said, no, no, sir, we had a tablet. I'm, I'm, I'm good there, right? We can say that. You know, what's interesting, I was thinking about that whole story, um, was that I didn't know anything about this concept. I was introduced to, by a good friend of ours, Pacer Hepperly, that you, some of you heard speak last summer, visiting from Tennessee. I didn't even know this guy, this pastor up in Tennessee. He's now become a good friend of ours. But we were up there because my wife was, had to go through some cancer treatment for about a month, some, some stuff that she was going through. And so we were forced by, the, uh, by, by that experience to, to go there. Uh, and as a process of her going through her treatments, um, I met this pastor. And, and, and the conversation with the pastor, he introduced me to what they were doing in the county jail. And so... That brings me around full circle. Genesis 50, verse 20, remember Joseph said to his brothers, we talked about a few weeks ago, what the enemy, what you meant for evil, you know, God meant, intended it for the saving of many souls. And, and so I can, so I was driving home after I read that little text from those guys and I thought to myself, isn't that just like, the enemy meant to discourage us, he meant to bring fear to us, he meant to uh, cause us to lay down and, and to live in, in, in anxiety and, and, and yet the whole time God was allowing something greater, a bigger picture and now 350 inmates now are hearing about Jesus Christ because of that situation that we went through. Come on. I'm telling you, this stuff works. This thing called the gospel is absolutely amazing. It's mind-blowing sometimes at how God is working something behind the scenes. You have no idea. You just think you're going through a bad moment, a bad situation. But if you allow the Lord the opportunity, he will turn it around for good. I promise you he'll do that. He'll do it in your life. He'll do it in your neighbor's life. He'll do it for everyone's life. Well, listen, I'm, I'm not going to tell you I'm a joke. Sorry, we don't have time for a joke this morning, and we'll save it for next week. I know, I know. Some of you only come here because you want to hear a joke, but, but we're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna put that on hold uh, for, for just a week. You can make it a week without a, a joke. You can do this. But we've been, we've, we've been in a series, people are walking out, they're like, I'm done, I'm, I'm, I can't do this. We're in a series called Carpe Diem, and it's literally a, a Latin word, it means seize the day. And week one, we talked about uh, just the, the, the challenge that God brings to us, that we need to take captive every thought, and we need to take control of every moment. And the 60,000 thoughts come across your brain every day. That's why you're so exhausted at the end of the day. And they've done some research and found that 80% of those thoughts that you have in the course of a day are negative. 
And so as a Christian, our challenge is to rewrite our stories and rewrite what's being played around in our mind and begin to turn the negative into the positive, the, the fear into the faith and begin to allow God to do something wonderful. And then week number two, we talked about how Moses was challenged um, uh, there at the Red Sea. And he had the Red Sea in front of him. He had the Egyptians behind, mountains on both sides. And he was in this bad moment where it looks like they were going to be wiped out, annihilated. But what happened? Moses stood up and he made a declaration. We talked about last week. He said, he said don't fear. And this is what we have to do in our lives. We, we have to do three things. We have, to, we have to face our fear. We have to stand still. And we have to hold our peace. And if we'll do those three things, we will watch, the Lord said, watch, the salvation of the Lord will take place, and, and they were delivered. And that's what happens. So we have to embrace this. Charles Spurgeon said, he said, I've learned in my life that whenever the wave comes in my life of disaster, if I'll just kiss that wave, I will find it throws me against the rock of ages. And so we called it Kiss the Wave. Today, we're going to continue our series, Carpe Diem. We're going to talk about habits. And as you can see, our title is Eat the Frog. Why eat the frog? Because Mark Twain said it like this one time. Mark Twain said, if you ever have to eat a live frog, it's best to do it the first thing in the morning. <laughs> Why? Because it gives you the rest of the day knowing that the hardest task of your day is behind you. Have you, ever, have you ever found it challenging to be consistent in some areas of your life? Have you ever found it um, hard or challenging to be consistent in your eating habits or your exercising habits or your budgeting habits or your devotional habits? I think we can all probably say there's been areas of my life where I've been challenged in these particular areas. Here's the big idea. You can write this down in your notes if you have them. I want to give you this morning. Successful people do consistently what most others do occasionally. Yeah, let me just say that one more time. Successful people do consistently what most other people do occasionally. In other words, people that are healthy are healthy because they're consistent. People that are well-to-do financially are well-to-do primarily because they're consistent. People who are emotionally stable have learned to be consistent in their thoughts. People who are growing spiritually have learned to become consistent in their spiritual disciplines. I was having a conversation with a business owner not too awful long ago, and I asked him, I said, what's the biggest challenge that you are facing right now as a business owner? He said, my biggest challenge is not finding capable people, it's finding people that will just show up. Just people that will come to work. I can teach them the task, I can teach them the job, I, I can work with someone that's unskilled, but I cannot work with someone that's not there. Just being consistent, just showing up. I'm glad that Jesus never said things like, I wish I could get my act together. Aren't you glad Jesus never said that? I'm glad I never read this where Jesus says to the disciples, I'm emotionally wrecked right now. I think I'm going into a depression. Please pass the Prozac. I can't handle this anymore. Peter, you threw me over the edge. 
I'm glad we have a father. I'm glad we have an example through his son, Jesus, of a life that can be lived over any circumstance, that can overcome circumstances. And I want to tell you this morning that God wants us to live lives that are so, this isn't even, even, is it? Y'all like, wow, that's, so I, I, sorry. It all just happened right there. And, A few, a few, a few uh, about a year or so ago, I told you about the domino effect. I brought this domino one more time to remind you about the domino effect, because habits are very important, and and what you do with those habits affect the rest of your life, and they have incredible power. One domino, a two-inch domino, can knock down another domino one and a half. Size, uh, its size, one and a half times its size, which means two an inch domino can do- topple down a three inch domino, which now means a three inch domino can topple a four and a half inch domino. You carry this rhythm down to the 18th domino, and what you find is that one domino can now topple the Tower of Pisa which is probably not too hard to do, seeing the fact that it's about to fall anyway, but. And the 21st domino can topple the Washington Monument. And the 23rd domino has now grown in such size that it could topple the Eiffel Tower. And when you get to the 28th or 27th domino, you now have the capacity and the power to tear down this incredible Building, it's the tallest building in the world. It's called the Burj Khalifa, and it's in Dubai, in the, in the United Arab uh, Emirates, and it's like more than a half a mile in length in its height. Can you imagine? Started with this, and over a consistent period of time, one little habit or one little thing that you thought was unimportant eventually works into the capacity to topple something as magnificent as that. Don't tell me small little things are not important. They're very important. Our habits will make or they will break us because, as Stephen Covey says, we become what we repeatedly do. You become what you repeatedly do. Now, Duke University did some research, and they found that 45% of your actions Every day are habitual actions. That, that's a good thing in a lot of aspects. I'm glad I don't have to put a lot of thought into brushing my teeth. I'm glad I, I was just watching my granddaughter last night try to work a fork. It was dangerous to watch because her eyes, you know, I'm, I'm just watching this thing go all, I'm like, oh my, let's give her a spoon. This is like, you know, at any moment she's about to poke her eyes. She's trying to figure this thing out. By the time she finally found her mouth with her fork, there was no food on it. You know what I'm talking about? I'm glad I don't have to think about uh, using a fork. I, many things that you do in life are just habitual. You, you drive your car, you're not even thinking about it. You're making your coffee half asleep, you're not even thinking about it. Th- these are things that we do. 45% of what you do are just mechanical habits. And, that, and, and that's a good thing because it saves you time, it saves you energy, it allows you to do some things uh, uh, on repeat and to do other things. But the danger of that is that if you are doing something harmful, and repeating that, that harmful thing habitually, it will destroy you. In fact, Matthew, Jesus has this conversation, 
And he says, you know, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, Matthew 12, seeking rest but finding none. And then it says, you know what, I'm going to return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there, and so that person is worse off than he was before, and that will be the experience of this evil generation. What is he saying? He's saying you can put a spiritual thing, you can make it a spirit, which is very real, and it happens, or you can make it even uh, water it down to habits itself. If you, if you wash yourself of bad habits, you know, and you don't replace it with good habits, you just wash yourself of a bad habit, then pretty soon you're going to see something worse come on your life. I know people, and you've probably known people, they, they've quit smoking cigarettes. They weighed 120 pounds when they quit smoking cigarettes. They weigh 500 pounds now because they changed the cigarettes with food. Come on. You had seven more evil spirits and calories and seven million calories come back into your body. Just playing with you, but it's a true fact. The Bible tells us about a guy named Paul who's wrestling with habits as well. I want to take us to that passage of Scripture, chapter 7 of the book of Romans. This is really Paul being real, talking about living life, habits, and things like that. And he says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Doobie doobie do. That's a really tongue twister right there. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. <laughs> if you can memorize that one passage of Scripture, you are a genius right there. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law in my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Can you just hear his heart there? He's like, I want to do right. I want to do good. I, I want to be this pleasing man of God to the Lord. But there, I find there's these moments where I, ha I struggle with a habit or a situation that I, I know I shouldn't do, but I do. And then there's other times where I do things that I, I, I don't want to do. And he's just going back and forth. And, and so I think we can identify that. So this morning, I want to give you three reasons why I believe you're going to become transformed as a person by the end of this year. Now, let me give you this passage, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not copy the customs and the behavior of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. The King James says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I believe God's going to transform us as we move forward in our life. I believe he's going to cause us to become people that have broken off some bad habits and replace it with some good habits, and we're going to watch a little domino effect take place in our life because we've allowed him to begin to work through us in a powerful way. So three reasons you're going to hang in there and be transformed. Number one is because you understand the what and the how. Can I just, before we go any further, can I just tell you that we are all addicts? 
Don't, 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 don't look down on some person's a drug addict or whatever. We are all addicts to some way or another. Some addictions are healthy, and some addictions are destructive. Some addictions are holy, and some addictions are unholy. But we all need to be an addict to some degree at some level at some point. I want to be a Christ addict. Come on, somebody. I want to be a Holy Spirit addict. <laughs> I, I got a problem. I, I need to go to one of those AA meetings, you know, and say, I, I'm addicted. I'm addicted to the Holy Ghost. I'm addicted to the presence of God. I'm, I'm addicted to worship. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an addict. Pray for me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> This is a, a funny little story. I, I, was, I was actually, um, I was running a men's shelter in Baltimore, and I, I, th- I don't know if I told you this, but so I wanted to figure out what um, the not, because I, I was always dropping them off to AA meetings and NA meetings, and, and so I'd never been to one, so I, I wanted to go to one. And so I went to one. I'm sitting around there in a smoke-filled room, and um, everyone's introducing themselves, and and, uh, and, and they all were saying the same thing. Hi, my name is Joe. I'm an addict, you know, or I'm an alcoholic or whatever. And uh, I said, hi, my name is JP. I'm not. And they're like, <laughs> I said, no, really, I'm not. I'm a pastor. and I'm just kind of checking things out. And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Let's move on. And so, and so they went through their, meet, their meeting and we got to the end and they all said, well, let's get together in a circle and, and let's end with the Lord's Prayer. And they said, uh, in fact, you know, we ha- since we have a pastor here, why don't you lead us in the Lord's Prayer? And when he said that, I had like this moment where I forgot everything. <laughs> I'm thinking, Lord's Prayer, Lord's Prayer. Oh, is, that, is that Psalms 23? And lead me to, no, what is that? I'm like... And I'm like, I can't believe it. I said, um, how's that go? And they're, <laughs> and they're like, You're, you need to get real with yourself so I can deal with your addictions. I'm like, seriously, I really am not. But you got to understand the what and the how. We know what it is we want to accomplish, and we know how to get it done. These are the two things we got to work on. We got to, what is it I want to see done and how is it going to happen? Because no one ever wakes up in the morning and says, you know, here's what I want today. I want to have high blood pressure. I want to gain 15 pounds today. No, no, we wake up and, and we, we, we don't make these kind of rational decisions. We don't wake up and say, you know what, today I, I'm hoping that I lose my marriage. You know, I'm hoping today me and my child have it out, you know, and we just go at it. You know, we, no, we, we, we don't have those kind of goals and ideas. We don't think like that. But here's the reality. Goals don't determine your success, but systems do. Let me say it again, because this is life-changing. This works not just in the spiritual, but also in the natural. Goals do not change or determine my success, but systems do. You will not rise to the level of your goals, but you will fall to the level of your systems. What am I saying? I'm saying if you will put the right systems, the right habits, if you would, in place in your life, then it will help you accomplish and bring you to your goal. Just having a goal isn't good enough. You have to have the systems to support the goal. The Bible tells us about a guy named Daniel in the Old Testament. Incredible man. 
And he was, a, he was brought to Babylon as a, literally as a, a, as a captive from Israel. And they took the chosen ones. Obviously, they saw something in Daniel and some others that they really liked, that he had some aptitude. And so they brought him into the palace. And for the next three years, they were going to just immerse him in the Babylonian lifestyle. And, and so they began to train him in Babylon University. And, and they took Daniel, and the first thing they began to do was feed them what they felt, the Babylonians felt like was the good, nutritious meal. And after a few meals, Babylon, um, Daniel comes to, the, to the, the, the guy in charge of the cafeteria and said, hey, look, this ain't going to work. We, we appreciate the food, but this isn't going to be healthy for us. We need some a different kind of diet. We need, you know, some, some vegetables. We need some carrots and some broccoli and some onions. We, we can't live off of this stuff that you're giving us. And, and, and they say, well, listen, this is the way it is, and I'll get in trouble if I don't do it. He goes, how about this? We'll just do a little test. We'll eat, you give me vegetables, and me and my friends, vegetables for 10 days, and then, and then just compare us to them. He goes, well, I guess I can do that. And they found after 10 days, Daniel's diet and his Shadrach, Meshach, and his other friends, their diet was so much better than theirs that everyone had to now become vegans. <laughs> and they were like mad at him, you know, for, I don't know, I'm just making that part. Of it. But, they, <laughs> but he already came into uh, his his. His, his life, knowing that there's some things that work and there's other things that don't work. And so he showed early on that I have to have a, a, a dedicated eating habit. He showed that he had some uh, spiritual habits. The Bible says that Daniel would go and he would pray three times a day. And that he would do it like clockwork. They, they, they could tell you when he was praying, when he wasn't. They could tell you where he's going to go to pray. He, he had this, 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 this habit. He had this system in his life that I'm going to eat these things, and I'm going to do these spiritual disciplines here. And, and he picked his friends carefully. He had three guys that he surrounded himself with that loved God, that wouldn't bow their knee to their culture. He, he set himself in a place where systems were godly and spiritual, and they worked. And if you will do the same in your life, if you put systems in your life uh, that are spiritual, that are godly, that are holy, then I promise you, you're going to move way down the road into a, a place where God is pleased with you and, and, and you're pleased with what you've become in Christ as well. Number two, how is this going to happen? How, how am I going to see this transformation? You realize that results take time. Most people just give up on eating good after the first few days because they didn't see results fast enough. You work out three times, you look in the mirror, you're still fat. <laughs> I need a new mirror. You don't know what you need. It's like the guy asked his wife what she wanted for her birthday. She says, I want something silver and shiny that goes from zero to 200 in three seconds. He bought her some scales for the bathroom. That's when the fight started, right there, right there. <laughs> you read a chapter of the Bible, got up feeling good, prayed a little bit, drove to work, cussed somebody out, gave them the Hawaiian wave, come on, and realized, you know, this thing doesn't work. Reading the Bible isn't working, this prayer is not working. 
we make these assumptions that we wrongly conclude that this small little practice isn't doing anything for my life. We play video games for three hours and our wife still cooked us dinner and we think, oh, look, she's okay with this. I'll just do this tomorrow night. We skip church and we say, well, I'm still godly. I'm still, I still know God. And I guess that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We eat half a piece of, eat half of a pie. We look in the mirror, look, look the same as we did before we ate the half of the pie. We go, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. We just assume that these, the good decisions and the bad decisions don't make much difference. That we just can live our life and make random decisions because we just feel like it and it's all going to be okay because it really doesn't hurt. And yet the problem is, it really does because my life is the sum total of all the decisions that I make along the way. Can somebody say amen? amen. That's what it is. See, you really, rarely wreck your life because of just one bad decision you made. I mean, typically, you wreck your life because you cheated on your income taxes here. And um, a little white lie there, uh, a little fudging on the truth here, a little stepping over the line morally here, a little lax on your character here. And before long, what you notice is that you are so far away from where God intended you to be, that you look at your life and go, how did I get here? I've heard so many people say that, how did I get here? Can I tell you how you got there? One decision at a time. It's the things that no one sees that you do that creates the results that everybody wants from your life. It's what are you going to do in the quiet times? As one person said, it's the things no one sees that cre creates the results that everyone wants. I remember I was in the seventh grade, and I had this, I, I, I watched this show, and it was about, I'm not going into the details, but anyway, God convicted me about souls and the importance of souls to be saved and how I needed to stand as a man of prayer and pray for them. As I began to think, I became, it might have been even fifth grade, I'll move it back, I think it was the fifth grade, I, I became burdened for my, my classmates at that young of an age. And I said to myself, well, if I'm going to see them know Jesus, then I need to pray for them. And so I told my mother, my mother, she would come and she would wake me up every morning, turn the heat on, because we never had heat on in the house at nighttime. And we lived in a place where there was a lot of snow and lots of ice, and we just had lots of blankets. And she would turn the heat on, and then she'd go back to bed for about another 30 or 40 minutes. I would get up at 5.30 as, as a little boy, and I would grab the blanket, and I would go to the little 
heat register. You know, you had a little register out of the floor. And I would put a chair right there by the heat register and put a blanket over me so the heat would hit me. And, and I would take my little My Daily Bread devotional and my Bible, and I would read it for about 10, 15 minutes, shivering, <laughs> and then praying for my friends, praying for my classmates, and praying for, at that time, for the Iron Curtain to fall and other things, praying for our country. And the Lord brought me back to that memory, and it was that system just a simple system, Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday I didn't do it, but Monday through Friday I did a 5.30 to 6, and 6 o'clock I would go in and brush my teeth and put my school clothes on, I would go put my, my coveralls on, and I would put my boots on, go out and feed the horse and the calves and all that kind of stuff, and the dogs, and empty the trash, and I'd come in at 6.45 and eat my little breakfast till 7 and go standing for the bus to come in. So I had my routine from 5.30 to 7.15, I knew exactly what was going to happen, and, and I made that a part of my disciplined life, and, and I would sit and I would read a book, I'm not going to sit on this bus, early age, I'm not going to sit on this bus for an hour and 15 minutes every day and just do nothing but stare out the window like everybody else. So I got a library book, and I always had a library book in my hand. I always loved to read about other people, you know, um, Daniel, Daniel Boone and uh, Davy Crockett and all these wonderful people that I, were heroes of mine. And I, and I made disciplines in my life. You, if you will make disciplines in your life, if you put systems in your life and you'll just carry them out day by day by day by day, I promise you at the end of the road, you're going to look back and go, that was a life well lived. Come on, somebody. I promise you that's what you're going to say. And the reason number three you're going to be transformed is because you believe who Christ says you are. You believe who Christ says you are. The enemy says that you did a bad thing, therefore you're a bad person. And Paul was wrestling with this in this Romans passage. And he's like, I, I've done something bad. I'm a bad person. No, no, that's not really the truth. Moses wrestled with that. I, God, you can't use me. I'm 80 years old. I made a mistake back then in Egypt 40 years ago. I, I can never be used. No, no, you can't. Peter wrestled with this. I, I denied you, Jesus, at three times when you needed me the most. I said I never would do that, but I did. But yet Jesus came back and said, no, you have value. You have worth. You have an identity. I'm going to use you. You're going to be a pillar in the household of faith. The enemy will always try to get you to believe that you are a bad person because you did a bad thing. But Jesus said, I did a good thing, and that good thing will cover all the bad things that you could ever do. An unhealthy identity produces unhealthy habits. And it becomes a vicious cycle because now you've done an unhealthy habit, you've done something, an unhealthy action, so you say, I'm a bad person, so I'll do another unhealthy thing. And so you do another unhealthy thing because you believe that's who you are because you did that. And so you, it, you never stop. It just keeps going and going and going. I'm not an organized person, so you know what? There's no sense in me even making my bed or washing the dishes or organizing my bills. I'm just an or a disorganized person. Well, as long as you keep saying you're a disorganized person, you're going to be a disorganized person. Well, hey, hey, dude, you want a cigarette? No, no, I'm trying to quit. Well, see, what you just told me right there was that you identify as a smoker. Now, if you said, oh, no, thank you, I don't smoke, then you just told me your identity is you're not a smoker. 
You see what I'm saying? I'm not picking on people that smoke. I'm just using it as an example. I'm, I'm telling you, you become and you do what you think you are. I'm not a healthy person, so pass me the donuts. I'm not a healthy person. Another slice of bread, please. I'm not a social person, so I'm not going to sign up for the small groups. Who needs small groups? I don't, I'm, I, don't, I don't do well around people. I don't do well around crowds. That's not who I am. Well, you're just telling me that, that you are, you've already dictated your, 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 your future by, by identifying yourself as opposite of what God's called you to be. I'm not good with money, so I'm just going to order another pair of shoes online. <laughs> it won't hurt, you know. I needed one more. I only have 65. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> someone said preach. I was like, I I'm, not, I'm not really a good person, so you know what? Since I'm not really a good person, I'm just going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to cuss you out. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let it rip right now. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to listen to what you say because it's not important. I'm going to be rude because I can be rude because, you know what? I'm just not a polite person. I'm not a good person. We become what we think we are. Look at this. For we know that our old self was crucified, Romans 6, with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Mm. My identity will shape my decisions. I'll just give you an example. This happened a few weeks ago. I was... I knew I needed to go to the gym, work out, and I was tired, I was exhausted, and, and, I sat, and I sat there and I said, okay, I just need a couple excuses and I won't go. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, that's good. And, I, and I'm thinking, I just need to take my tennis shoes off and just relax tonight. And this thought came to me, it was like, you gotta go work out because you're an athlete. And athletes work out. Now listen, my whole life, I can probably mention five people that probably thought I was an athlete, and that's about it. No one thinks, no one looks at me and goes, oh, that's an athlete if I ever saw one. I promise you, no one says that. So I had to say that to myself. I'm an athlete. Athletes work out. So I put my sneakers back on, go in the gym, because I'm an athlete, and athletes work out. I get... The hardest part is when you get to the gym and getting out of the car. That's the hardest part. But I'm an athlete, and that's what athletes do. I'm a Christian. This is what Christians do. I'm a, I'm a child of God. This is what children of God do. I'm a husband. This is what husbands do. I'm a father. This is what fathers do. you got to change what you think you are. And it all starts with taking captive every thought in your mind. And so let's close with this. Here's some applications. How do I... How do I do this? How do I put this to work? Number one, focus on one habit this week. Because it all comes down to this. It really all boils down to this. Can you do something for one day? I'm just asking you, can you do it for one day? Just, just one day. Can, can you read one chapter of the Bible today? Now, once you do that today, let's think about tomorrow. Can you read one chapter tomorrow? Yeah, there you go. Hey, we, we got momentum going on now. We got the domino effect taking place. 
Can we just pray for a few minutes today? Can we talk to God? Can we turn off the secular radio station and spend that time talking to the Lord today? May us do that tomorrow. What habit will you focus on today? Focus on one habit this week. Number two, make some who goals. H-W-H-O, make some who goals. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Um, I want to be healthy, okay? That's a goal. I want to be drug-free. That's a goal. I want to be financially independent. That's a goal. I want to be bold at school and witness to my friends, okay? We got a goal. I want to hear God's voice. We have a goal. I want to be content as a single person until God brings that person along. That's a goal. So you have goals you put in your life. You need to go home and just maybe write down, who is it I want to be? I wrote down some things. I'll just share them with you. I'm thinking to myself, what what do I want people to say about me when I'm 99 years old? Because I'm going to be 99. Yeah, I'm going to. In fact, I'm probably going to break the 100-year-old mark. In fact, you can come to my 110-year-old party if you want. And here's what you can say about me when I'm 110. JP was a devoted follower of God. He loved telling people about Jesus. He loved his wife. He was devoted to his children. He was an incredible grandfather. (laughs) And even a more incredible great-grandfather and great-great-grandfather. And he was crazy about the people in his church. And he was a wise steward of his body and his finances and other people's hearts. So you, you become who you want to become. I don't know what your stories look like up until now, but you can change that story. You can change it today. Right now. If you mind bowing your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. I think probably a lot of us would say, man, I, I hear what you're saying, Pastor. I mean, I, I think I need to write, my, change my story, write a new one. I need to change my systems, my habits, all get gotten quonky. If you're here this morning, you would, you would agree with me. That, man, Pastor, I, would you mind praying with me? I want to just agree with you about but this whole approach I've been taking to life. Number one, I, I think I have the wrong identity. Secondly, I've been telling myself the wrong story. And I haven't really thought about the little decisions I've been making, how important they are. And I've just kind of been letting things go a little bit, get too loose. And I need to reel it back in. Uh, if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand with me because I know that's me as well. And I'm just going to say a prayer for all of us this morning. Come on. Man, I just need to reel it in. I need to make some changes. Come on. Amen. All across the room. Yeah. Amen. Just keep those hands held high. Father, we, we lift our hands to you this morning because we need your help.
And as Paul wrestled himself with habits and doing things he didn't want to do and not doing things he should do, but we're, we're right there. We, we hear that. And we say, Lord God, deliver us. And thank you, Jesus, that you do. And Lord, we set our focus on you today. We're going we're gonna to press into you. We're going we're gonna to create some healthy habits today, starting today. We're going to implement them. We're going to put them in place. Little decisions today. Father, thank you for those little decisions, one habit at a time that you're giving us power over. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us do that. Thank you for that. We thank you for victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Come on, give God some praise for that. Yeah. I want to ask our prayer teams to come and stand. As they do, I want to ask this question for others this morning. Maybe you're here and you've never made the journey with Jesus. You've never ever decided in your heart, I want to make him the Lord of my life. Again, with heads bowed, eyes closed, asking a question, the most serious question I could ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? Have you made him the Lord of your life? The most important decision you'll ever make. Not gonna embarrass you, not gonna call you out, not gonna make you, make you come forward, not do anything, but I wanna, I wanna pray with you. But if you would say, Pastor JP, I wanna know Jesus, I wanna make him the Lord of my life. Today I'm surrendering my life right where you're at. Would you just raise your hand? Come on, we're all across the building. Just raise your hand, I wanna know Jesus as the Lord of my life. I wanna make him my savior. I'm turning the corner today, amen. Turn in the corner today, amen. Amen, yeah. Come on, anybody else? Come on, some others around, yes. Amen, amen, yeah. I want you just to pray this prayer with me. Can we all pray this together? Would you say this, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my whole life today. Take full control. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. I'm thankful for you that prayed that prayer with me. Listen to me. Those that prayed that prayer, maybe you didn't lift a hand, but you did want to pray that prayer, and you did in your heart. We want to help you in this journey. It's the greatest journey you'll ever take, I promise you. And you need some help. And so we have a tent set outside, right outside the front doors. We want to give you a Bible, a brand new Bible, your own Bible. And we want to give you some literature as well for you to look at, to read, to help you along the way in the journey. So make sure you stop by that tent on your way out and let us help you in your journey, give you a Bible. We love you. Can we all stand to our feet? Patrick, would you come and close us out this morning? Amen.